Hey guys, welcome to Rankin' Vile, the podcast ranking every single horror movie ever made. And this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's your week going? I am sick, which means I've been watching a whole lot of TV, uh, mainly Jack of All Trades and Briscoe County Jr. <laughs> so just a lot of Bruce Campbell on the docket, huh? Just a lot of Bruce Campbell on the docket. I'm very frustrated that of all of this Bruce Campbell television, they mm-hmm. never made a, and all of this historical Bruce Campbell television, they never made a Christmas episode of Jack of All Trades, which is a real missed opportunity. Oh yeah, I actually, uh, Briscoe County Jr. I watched on cable back in the day. I've, I I know nothing about Jack of All Trades. What's the what's the deal with the show? Jack of All Trades is Bruce Campbell as a um, American soldier in 1801 fucking with the French in uh, French colonial uh, West Indies. I don't know what I thought you were going to tell me about the synopsis of uh, Jack of All Trades. It was not 19th century hijinks. Yeah, it's 19th century steampunk hijinks uh, against the French featuring actual historical figures like goofing around yucking it up i am extremely into it well not actual they're actors but you get the gist (laughs) you couldn't get napoleon fuck this you just flip the table immediately um i i've had an exciting uh, last couple of weeks um we uh got kittens yay um yep they are they are little guys uh they are uh let's see a few months a couple months old um their names are uh, bert and calamity um, Bird is the big orange boy, and Calamity is the little the little uh, tortie. Um, I am fucking obsessed with these cats. They are the best cats. That's wonderful. I'm so happy for you. Oh yeah, because like they, you know, they're siblings from the same litter, and they were, you know, like they were born on the street, but like sort of socialized very quickly after they got scooped up. Um, I have been reading so much fucking Jackson Galaxy to try to, you know, make sure that I'm taking care of these cats the right way because like I've had cats like my whole life, but. I've never really had like a guiding principle for how to exist with cats. It's always just like, what? Yeah, that's Rita. She's a black cat who hangs out with me and yells. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. Now, where was Jackson Galaxy on January 6th? Ooh, actually, I don't, I don't get Chud vibes from Jackson Galaxy. Really? Just to, to chill. That's, that's what it is. Like he, although I totally understand you look at that guy and you're like, he's into QAnon. I guess I need to check myself because I thought the same thing of Guy Fieri and he turns out to have been a pretty upstanding guy during the pandemic. So you know, I guess rockabilly has gotten an unfair shake. <laughs> I mean, I'm rockabilly trash myself, but it's like I, I, I love rockabilly, but I'm like, I'm not going to be like a rockabilly guy who needs to fucking cosplay being a rockabilly. It's it's so weird to me, but like, you mean I you guess didn't it, get King Rat tattooed on your knuckles? <laughs> I mean, the the biggest thing I've done is that I have a Gretsch guitar that's orange, and that's about as rockabilly trash as I'm willing to be publicly. Um, so what uh, what ghoul shit have you been uh, consuming? Uh, oh, actually, uh, aside from uh, Briscoe County Jr. and Jack of All Trades, have you been uh, in, in isolation, like, falling down any rabbit holes? Yeah, I picked up Grindstone on Nintendo Switch today Ooh. and immediately have fallen into it. It's a very cute... Uh, it's like a match three type game. You're, mm-hmm. but you're a barbarian with a sword, and instead of gems, you're hacking apart little monsters. Uh, that sounds fucking so dope. Once you make a path, you actually go and chop them up, <laughs> and they're they're like 
they shower down in cubes. And because it's the tail end of the holiday event, um, mm-hmm. they, along with their viscera, spewed dreidels, menorahs, and Christmas baubles. That's fantastic. Like, this is one of those games where I feel like uh, the person who designed it and came up with the pitch was probably coked to, to the gills and just pitched it all in one breathless sentence to the head of the, the game studio. And it was like, yeah, book it. Sure. Do do your weird do your weird shit with this game. What ghoul shit have you been up to? Um, I have been, so I'm, uh, I've been working on a short story and so I've been doing, um, research specifically around like morgues and stuff. Um, I have just been watching, it's not even an exciting thing. I've just been watching a lot of videos of people decomposing to try to like sort of time-lapse like uh, the body farm, um, as, as you know, which is like the, the, the number one vacation spot, uh, I, I would ever want to go to would be to go check out the body farm. Um, but yeah, like just a lot of footage of watching people kind of liquefy. Apparently, and I hadn't realized this before, um, a, a, a rotting human body, um, it, everything kind of just liquefies. Like when you leave um, a head of lettuce in the crisper drawer for like a couple of weeks too long. Yeah. Now, isn't it true that if you pay for the the gaskets in the like the sealed, hermetically sealed casket that you're just making like casket soup in your afterlife or is that just like a a tv thing you know if you liquefy and the thing is sealed i think that just makes you like a can of campbell's soup like somebody <laughs> you know it's yeah it sounds like a lot honestly I, I i need to get out of this rabbit hole and find another one because i'm just i've become like hyper aware of like oh eventually that's gonna be me someday can't think about that too long um <laughs> No. Nope. So it's yeah. Um, let's dive into uh, one of the movies we're we're doing for this week. Uh, Quincy, you uh, had uh, pitched Deadly Games in 1982. I think uh, we we uh, got a screener for this. Yeah. So our friends at Arrow Video, um, who have their guys. own S- SVOD platform, which is pretty choice, uh, curate yeah, monthly uh, lost gems and curios, and and Deadly Games is a feature for january it is a slasher but it's board game themed which yeah. got me thinking mm-hmm. what is the ideal board game to live out a killer trying to kill you and everyone you know themed to a, a board game uh, i would say the game sorry qualifies <laughs> <laughs> you're just being pursued sorry and then they just you know yeah, getting sent back to the start is, you know, much like being murdered, I think. Um, the the board game element of this, I feel like I kept trying to figure out what the fucking deal was with the board game in this. Um, it's It features heavily, but they, you know, a thing I appreciate about Deadly Games 1982, two things. They don't feel obliged to do any lighting to let you know what's going on in uh, a lot of scenes, and they don't feel they need to over-explain the board game. Like actual independent board games, it is so obtuse and arcane (laughs) i don't think anyone knows how to play and also i did not realize until i finished the film but there is a credit in the credit sequences that says the deadly game game created by tana c curtis and scott mansfield patent pending great plains entertainment corporation so there was a tie-in board (laughs) game this was meant to be the vehicle to sell this slasher movie board game 
That is wild to me. I, I love weird fucking tie-ins like this. Um, you might as well, you know, do do some merchandising around it. Why not? Um, I mean, I'll, I'll also acknowledge, I like board games, but what it is is that I like board games I already know how to play. Um, the moment somebody tries explaining to me the rules of uh, either a card game or a board game, I am at my dumbest just pure dumbass hours i don't you know my eyes glaze over i'm there's like the little hamster on the wheel and my brain just immediately dies uh are you like how i mean you're 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 board game folk yeah um have you ever played the uh, card game epic no no so epic was invented to combat magic the gathering in that oh, okay. it's a um set collectible there's no collecting element all the cards are nice. in one box so you, oh, so it's, it's like so, so, it's, so it's kind of like so it's kind of like Star Realms in that way that like everything you're going to need for this is already here. Yeah, yeah, and it's the same guys that made Star Realms. So they made mm-hmm. it. It's very magic-y themed, whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. I got really excited about this game and bought a copy because I've never played Magic: The Gathering and liked it, but I mm-hmm. thought maybe this will be you know I'll see what everyone's missing, and you can even the deck's large enough you can do all of the draft constructed all those things that the guys at the um board game shop do oh Um, shit yeah that yeah i gotta i gotta i gotta look into this especially because like star realms i i enjoy so much well my thing can have my copy because i tried to read the rules and went no absolutely (laughs) not see my thing is i feel like i lucked into having gotten into magic the gathering when i was a little kid and so a lot of it's although the thing is that I also turn into a bewildered grampy when I try pick you know picking up a modern deck and like it's got all these little rules that I don't understand and I'm mostly just frightened. Um, but so this movie it's a slasher. Deadly Games is a slasher that doesn't have that much slashing going on in it. No, it's um, almost like it's it's early enough in the cycle that it mm-hmm. seems to be more giallo thriller. Yeah, than slasher. For sure, not least because there's a black-gloved killer that's, you know, kept largely obscured the whole time. You're and, totally and right. The identity is the real, like, driving force, is the, the final girl unmasking the murderer. Which is wild how it happens in this. Yeah. Um, yeah. This, this, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Very this, much so. Oh, my God. Um, the movie opens with, there's a lady uh, at the top of it who just, like, she, she steps outside into, like, her backyard or something, uh, gets her tits out. In, in the, the late night air and just kind of hangs out there like, I did it. I have titties. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, she goes back inside and is having a phone conversation. Quincy, is this like... Okay, so she gets murdered, obviously. Um, is this like a weird sex game gone awry? I, I can't figure it out because it's part of this whole murder spree and there's not really a discernible pattern except later we're told, well, it follows the board game but then because we don't know the rules of the board game then you're just supposed to take that for granted and the killer later says yeah you know i made the board game and follow and and did it that way but that doesn't make sense either so, so this is so this is basically Jumanji, but with serial murder. Yeah, exactly. I honestly, it uh, what, what you sort of find out is that um, the people playing the board game, uh, what what the board game is there for is to select locations where people will die. That's really weird to me because it's like you think that you would start with the person you're gonna kill and then kind of work it out from there instead of like, all right, 
whoever whoever I murder, it has to be behind the Costco. You know, like, it's a real shame that there's not any board games that specify weapons, suspects, and locations that they could have used. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? No, that would be banned. We can't. We can't be doing murder. That's murder is illegal. You can't make a board game out of that. Um, this movie is hangout horror for sure. Um, it's a lot of now, Quincy. I've got a question for you. How old are the characters in this movie meant to be? I, they're. I think they're supposed to be adults, which is shocking. But they're all supposed to be like have a job working adults and not teenagers or college students that makes sense because like i i you know i think that because this movie is borrowing heavily from halloween in terms of like you've got a trio of teen girls and they're you know spunky and they're reverent and they like busting each other's balls which by the way those those uh scenes totally work for me yeah they're probably the best in the movie for sure. Um, but, you know, you, you kind of have these characters that, like, I had initially assumed they were high school students, and then I looked it up, and apparently uh, Joanne Harris, uh, who plays uh, the main character of the movie, Keegan, uh, who, by the way, Keegan's full name is Clarissa Jane Louise, quotation marks, Keegan Lawrence. Um, it's never really explained why she's called Keegan. Just go with it. Just go with it. <laughs> <laughs> F- fuck you. You're, she's Keegan. Um, and she is, I don't know, like, uh, how this performance is really strange to me. Yeah, um, I will tell you that she does not come across when she's first introduced in the movie as the main character. Right. And in kind of the same way that, I mean, again, like, with Laurie Strode, you kind of don't know that she's the main character until a bit into the movie. Yeah, yeah. It's only when the other friends die that you're like, oh, I guess this movie's, we're going to stick with her now. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, from there, it's simple division, really. Uh, and she, you know, I, I feel like this actor was told, it was like Robin Williams in the 90s, I feel like, where the directors were just, or the director was just like, you know, we're just going to let Joanne Harris just riff, you know, just just go, you know, just improvise and just say some weird bullshit in front of the camera. Like, she, there's a lot of scenes of her just, like, doing bits. Yeah. And it, I don't know, like, I, there there were points where I was kind of like, please, can I get back to the murders and stop watching Joanne Harris's tight five? Like, so what let's are we doing? talk about Joanne's love interests. Holy shit. So we get a big old love triangle um, in this motion picture uh, between uh, Eddie and Roger. Um... And Roger is the most obvious killer I've ever seen in a horror movie. <laughs> Big killer energy. <laughs> like, he, it's getting a lot of questions that have already been answered by my I'm not the serial killer in this movie t-shirt. Um, <laughs> this guy is just a big ol' creepo. He is, he's, he's a, he's a, he's a bad man. He's terrible. <laughs> terrible, terrible dude. Yeah, although a, a thing I do appreciate, uh, this movie being in 1982... Um, I appreciate how every dude in this movie looks kind of busted. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Very, um, I'd say dad, dadish energy. Not dad oh, yeah. energy, but like, maybe I'm just biased because my, you know, my dad was this age in the 80s. Ah, uh, yeah, mine too. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, you're totally right. Like, it's, it's very like, uh, sort of everybody's got chest hair and receding hairlines. And you know what? Uh, as someone with chest hair and a receding hairline, I, I got to tell you, I'm a, I'm a big fan of it on my TV. Um, 
And Roger just sort of telegraphs so much like, you know, somebody will walk into a room and Roger will just be like lurking in the dark like a fucking gargoyle. Like, hello, I didn't see you there. And it's just like he is the most malevolent presence I've ever seen. He's wearing black through most of the movie as well. Yeah, and he is just, you know, really cruel to every woman he comes across. Like, he's just uh, just a huge dick. Although, so we get, um, there's a, there's a bit in this movie that I can't stop thinking about. There's a big pool party, and then for some fucking reason, uh, Dick Butkus of the Chicago Bears. Uh, and also, I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago, so I feel like the name Dick Butkus, first of all, is <laughs> the greatest name anyone's ever had. Second of all, I, I recognize that goddamned voice instantly in this motion picture. And, um... So basically, uh, Keegan comes has come back to town because her sister was the one who got uh, murdered at the top of the movie, and she basically comes back to her hometown to find out that everybody is a swinger now. <laughs> you like, know, you, you get to see with like Dick Put Dick Butkus just being like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna get my dick wet at the key party." <laughs> like he's just uh, yeah. This movie has I would uh, say a, a bit of a tone problem. Oh, uh, definitely uneven. So this um, murder in the pool is probably my favorite murder. Okay, I'm going to need you to describe it to me because the copy that I watched, uh, I watched it on a jank uh, VHS rip, and the lighting was horrendous. So please oh, tell yeah. me, it's, how did how did this um, go? I watched the actual screener we were given, <laughs> Hell yes. and it's in like crystal 4K. But <laughs> oh, very good. So, so there, the there's egg on my face. Takes a coat hanger and loops it around this woman's leg, and then drags her to the bottom of the pool and uses the hook of the coat hanger to hook into the grate. So even though she's an Olympic style swimmer, she drowns because she can't get the coat hanger untangled from her leg soon enough to go up to get air. That's a really fucking cool kill. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. I love, I love pool related deaths. Like there's that um, really bad uh, Final Destination. Uh, I think it's four or five, the bad one. Um, but it has the one cool killer where it's like the guy gets like sucked into the the pool grate at the bottom, and he can't. You know, he's on the bottom of the pool and he can't get up out of it. Um, that's honestly incredible that he just had the coat hanger on hand for it. Like, did he plan to kill somebody in this specific way? I want to say yes, but I think like the board game, it's very convoluted and unclear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we, you know, we keep getting cuts back to this this board game that is, you know, sort of telegraphing who's going to die. And the next. black gloved hand moving. And here's the other thing. It's a Universal Monsters board game. It's not licensed. <laughs> so it's like um, Los Monstros... Uh, Universal, like the Mexican version, but it's these plastic uh, Gilman and and Frankenstein's monster and Dracula, one moving around. Never any other connection to monsters <laughs> at all. So wait, so they were going to try to market a board game that was just Universal Monsters with like the serial numbers filed off? Well, with I mean, the promotion of this movie. Yeah, but if you've ever followed the rich tapestry of American toys. Um, <laughs> copyright is not really a thing that has ever stopped anyone. Um, 
Yeah, Sharp Hand Joe, for example. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a Sharp Hand Joe situation. <laughs> yeah, you know, God bless them. They should have been able to, to make hay with this, this board game. Um, we, I think it's uh, Billy in this, who's played by Steve fucking Railsback, who played uh, Charles Manson in the Helter Skelter miniseries. That's why he's got those eyes. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's... Oof. Buddy, those eyes. He is he is terrifying uh, with with those. Um, and he, I don't know if anything actually comes of Billy. Um, I kept mixing up Billy and Eddie. Yeah, which one's the police officer? I think Billy. They look so similar that mm-hmm. okay. So the twist of the movie is both. Uh, um, the final girl can't figure out who the murderer is. She thinks it's one of these two dudes. And the twist is both of them die at the end of the movie. Um, so it really, to me, they're they're interchangeable. Well, yeah. Well, and There's it's also nothing that they're they're also. It does not help that they're both dressed up like the killer at the end of the movie. So <laughs> mm-hmm. they're just both. It, yeah, they're the same person. I had assumed that it was just the the pre scream like, oh no, there's actually two killers fake out. Um. Oh, also, it could have been that. I I do not like the end of this movie. It feels very <laughs> tacked on. The ending of this movie, holy shit, we'll get to it. it is, the I, ending I, of this yeah. movie is the ending of Monopoly when it's 3 a.m. and someone just throws over the board and says, <laughs> I'm done, I'm going to bed. <laughs> Which is always how that fucking game ends. Um, I, I yelled out loud in my home when the ending of this movie happened. Um, but there's also... There's an incredible thing about this movie, which is uh, that we get this long board game montage with Keegan, Eddie, and Roger, the, the the love triangle, and it's like all three of them are going on dates together, um, which makes sense to me that like, well, I moved back to my hometown, uh, Dick butt kisses like balls deep in the gas station attendant, I guess, even though he's a happily married man, everybody's fucking... The thing about this movie that's incredible is, like, everybody spends so much time talking about fucking, not a lot of fucking actually happens. No, it's rather chaste, which I was uh, pretty surprised with. Yeah, me too. I was, I mean, from the opening scene, which is, hello, neighbors, here are my tits. Like, I was sort of expecting, like, all right, now it's that kind of movie, I guess, but it it kind of isn't. Um, But we get this long montage of Keegan, Eddie, and Roger, like, playing football together and playing on a swing set and playing the board game together. Um, and there's just this like a sort of skin max music playing the entire time for like a solid five minutes. The music is Dece. The music in this movie is Dece. It is Dece. Um, and you know what other music in this movie is Dece is the sweet fucking disco we get at this club <laughs> in the third act. Because, uh, you know, this movie, it's 1982. It's on the lip of, you know, the, the, the switch over from disco to like New Wave or whatever would be playing in a club at this time. Um, and so Roger uh, picks up a rando barfly um, from this uh, sweet ass disco club. And then it's revealed that he he puts on the mask after they screw and he kills her. A um, lot of strangling in this movie. Whole lot of strangling. Um, there's one woman who is mid-strangle when two security guards, who are the most Midwest security guards. <laughs> oh, yes. And they're like, it's probably the first time in any film where security guards have stopped a crime in progress <laughs> with flashlights. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think most security guards, I sort of imagine that it's, that it's like they're going to run up to somebody who's doing uh, anything untrustworthy and hope that they run away before they actually have to do anything because then it would just be like a dog catching a car. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. And so, you know, we uh, like, oh no, Roger's the killer, which you knew from the moment that fucking Haint stepped on screen and said anything. Um, and he kills the barfly. The amount of heavy breathing in this sound mixing is obscene. <laughs> like, it's, it's just it's all of it. It's so much. Um, now, there's one of the friends. Now, I, I got to tell you, the, the trio of friends uh, in this movie who are kind of like, they have fun moments. They get to be realized characters, but they're kind of samey. Yeah, yeah. This movie has a real um, characterization problem. There is nothing to differentiate. Everyone's gimmick is the same. They're all yeah. They're all young lions in New Japan. They're just black tights. <laughs> they they're don't all... have a gimmick yet. They're n- they, we don't have a Mister Watto or a <laughs> Yo or Show. It's just regular ass trainees. <laughs> yeah, it is year one Watto, like before the the six man tag match. Um, now, there, uh, Quincy, have you seen the American television show Pretty Little Liars? Uh, no, I have not. I have seen an embarrassing amount of it. It's honestly one of the most, it's Riverdale levels of buck wild teen horror, most of it. Um, where it's like, it, it's, it takes place in the sound called Rosewood. Uh, and there's a, a phenomenon that was coined that was a Rosewood-induced white boy face blindness syndrome. <laughs> which is that it's like, there are so many characters in this that it's like, oh no, is that, wait, is that Trey or Nick or Anthony, and it's just like dark-haired white straight boy that just looks completely identical, and that's basically every guy in this only clock set back to 1982, so everybody's got chest hair and a receding hairline. Yeah, for sure. Um, now, so we know that Roger's the killer. Um, he chases one of the friends into an enormous open grave and just starts shoveling dirt onto her. Here's what's wild. I get that the grave is deep because she can't get out of it. Like she, right. she tries to. Climb out, and it's six feet. It's too, too deep for her. Mm-hmm. But the speed at which dirt is gingerly thrown upon her <laughs> is yeah. infuriating to me. So wait, yeah, actually, I wanted to ask you about this. Is the idea that she was just in that grave and he just covered her with dirt and buried her alive through little little shovels of dirt? Just little. She loves me. She loves me not. <laughs> handfuls of dirt he's got he my, my guy with the baskin robin sampling spoon just like <laughs> dirt um he th- this is my thing though okay so and i you know i don't mean to be like cinema sins asshole guy I'd be like you know there's a plot hole um but for me i'm like okay so you got someone in a big grave and you're standing over the, you know they can't get out yet and you're standing over them with a shovel and you're shoveling dirt into the grave if I'm in that grave, I'm just going to, like, wait until the dirt levels are enough to, like, stand on down there. Like, you don't have to stand still and let the dirt take you. Yeah, exactly. Um, There's no, like, incapacitated in the grave. There's no murdered and then buried. It's just gingerly sprinkling dirt on her head and then cut. Yeah, which I, I, I would love the like, you know, the thing is, it's a lot of work to bury anything. I would love like an hour three, like he's been working at this like all night. And at this point, she's not even screaming and afraid anymore. She's just like, can you fucking quit that? <laughs> like, listen, man, either listen, if you're going to kill me, 
uh, take that shovel one to the back of my head and, you know, one and done and we're fine. But please, can you just stop with this shit? Um, it, it was upsetting for me, this, this kill. Uh, not to, not to split hairs, but it is very stupid. Um, Quincy, the ending of this movie, how does it happen? So... Our killer explains, oh, yeah, it was the board game to no one. He's just talking out loud. <laughs> There's a memoirs. slow pan to the board game. He's in an abandoned movie theater, which has been his base of operations, which is, I don't believe, ever mentioned previously. No, no, at no point. Uh, then our heroine enters the movie theater uh Finds a gun and immediately uses it upon who she thinks is the killer, mm-hmm. but who in reality is her boyfriend. Who in reality is her boyfriend who decides to greet her like a haunter at a fucking <laughs> state fair. Like, hey! And like he just like jumps out of fucking Aztec warrior in Legends of the Hidden Temple. <laughs> He's just <laughs> jumping out and grabbing her. Yeah, she just puts one between his eyes because you know what? Someone jumps out at me in this motion picture screaming like a dick. Like, yeah. You're going to shoot sort of reflexively there, my guy. Yeah. And then there's... Uh, Ryan, what is this ending? Um. Okay, so... <laughs> so the nearest I can figure, um, Roger is there and he's like, ah, Keegan, you, I'm a killer guy. And then uh, he swings and this is and i want to be clear um i am a rube who watched this on a bad vhs transfer um my understanding is that he swings in like the errol flynn of death on a rope and is like swinging in to kill her and then we end on a freeze frame and credits roll as he's swinging in that is correct that is the ending of this movie <laughs> <laughs> i swear to christ it's almost like uh, I, all right. Here's here's what I here's what I reckon. The the director of this movie um, was like, shit. I thought, uh, you know, and this is an hour twenty seven. Like, I'm I'm imagining that this guy, you know, realized day of fuck. I forgot to film an ending and had like fallen asleep the night before watching like a pirate movie or something where somebody swung <laughs> from a rope and was just like, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, let's just uh, uh, do a cool rope thing and assume he killed her. And roll credits. Um, it is it is passionately stupid. So let's put this on our list. Now, yeah. at number 511 is Death Laid an Egg, a giallo that tries to be clever, but just turns out to be bizarre and have a mutant chicken nugget in it. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I appreciate a mutant chicken nugget, but Death Laid an Egg is not very good. Um, I feel like I want to give the edge to this purely because... Quincy, the amount of delight I experienced when Dick Buttkiss was on my TV <laughs> with his fucking mustache just being like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go down to the orgy. Like, it was uh, <laughs> it was transcendent. It was, a, it was a wonderful moment of my life. Uh, okay. So I feel like I'm wanting to give the edge to uh, uh, Deadly Games. Now, at number 500 is Bestoint Dooley himself's The Legend of McCullough's Mountain. <sighs> I mean, it's hard to match the majesty of Bestoink Dooley, you know? Like, just the gravitas yes. of Bestoink. Um, I feel like I want to give the edge to The Legend of McCullough's Mountain, mostly because, like, I, I still remember the name Bestoink Dooley, and I, 
Uh, after watching Deadly Games, I'm going to promptly forget everything about this movie the moment I fall asleep tonight. Yes. Um, and so, yes, yeah, so I feel like I want to do that. But right below that, at number 501, is Tales of Frankenstein. Um, Quincy, we've watched too many movies. Can you remind me what that movie is about? Tales of Frankenstein is pretty forgettable. It is a unsuccessful television pilot for a Frankenstein TV show. Oh, yeah, that's right. I, okay, all right, a memory stirs. Um, Quincy, I want to give the edge to this for a couple of reasons, uh, to, to, to Deadly Games. Um, that fucking uh, pool grate kill is dope as fuck. Yeah. Uh, the soundtrack is pretty good. Honestly, the acting performances, pretty good. Everyone's doing the most with what they have. Um, there's a lot of, like, fun camaraderie, and I gotta tell you, it's cozy. I like a hangout horror. Yeah. I also feel it incumbent upon me to uh, mention that this still makes the movie better than Rob Zombie's 31, according to our <laughs> list. <laughs> so I don't want anyone at home being like, oh, the, the poor Arrow, they gave him this film and they just trashed it. No, it's still better than Underworld. Yeah, yeah, the the best hidden gems of our life we gave to you, and this is how you rate it. Like, I mean, thirty one. You know, for me, it's like okay. The the only thing I can think of to recommend the movie thirty one is that cool Richard Brake opening monologue, and then it is pure bullshit from there. Yeah, Deadly Games is better than Dracula Untold. <laughs> uh, Deadly Games is better than I Frankenstein, uh, The Predator, and Candyman Two. So there you go. So yeah, so coming in at our new number 501 is Deadly Games from 1982. Folks, you're going to want to pick up the Arrow <laughs> release version of it so that you can see anything. But they really know. did clean up with the um, scan, uh, which is a very common thing with movies from this era because mm -hmm. of um, just the lighting and film technology. Like, Turns out you're you're supposed to see things, <laughs> and <laughs> only with the magic of 4K can you actually see the thing. <laughs> yeah, completely. Uh, but you know, so you should do that. But if you want to choose violence, um, it is also up on YouTube for free. Um, if you if you you know really want to watch this movie, it's honestly this movie is so weird in ways that I totally understand why Arrow Video was like, do you guys know about fucking Deadly Games? The Faustian Nonsense Patreon has a lot of amazing stuff. Not even just Quincy and me talking about Sylvester Stallone movies. Loads of amazing shows on the network, including The Green Horizon, Chain of Being, Ghosts on a Train, and Lavender Tavern, have a shitload of bonus content for you to get your hands on. Go check it out over at patreon.com slash Nonsense. You won't regret it. So, let's talk about a good movie. Oh, yes. So, uh, we uh, the other movie we're doing for this week is Dario Argento, The Goat. Uh, we're doing uh, Deep Red from 1975, and this is, like, I think held up as, like, one of the, like, best, if not the most prominent, like, giallos of all time. Yeah, um, um, I would argue, tipping my hand a little bit, I like Bird with the Crystal Plumage a little bit more. Me too. But this one has so much going for it. So the movie, like most... Dario Argento Jolly uh, takes place in Rome uh, in a theater where a woman is talking about being a psychic. It's incredible. Um, she, it's kind of like the scene is like the opening of Scanners a little bit. 
where it's like big auditorium of people, person at the head of the room going, I'm a brain genius. Um, and, you know, she proves this by like reading people's minds. She also says that zebras and termites can use telepathy. <laughs> Which I'm obsessed with. I also love that she um, shows that she's a telepath by identifying that one guy has a long key. And it's like a fucking dungeon master (laughs) (laughs) medieval key. It's a director's cut key. Like, this is, it goes on for a while. It's fucking 1408-ass key in this guy's box. Yeah, he, he he definitely had a hobbit hole to get and back he's like, to later that You know night. what? You're right. I do have this weird key in 1970s Rome. I'm not going to lie, brain lady. I've update you... my locks, but... You got me. I got a... The I got castle a... freak's been out there keeping the locks with the way. <laughs> Shit. It is the... This guy has to have, like, a special pocket for this key. Like, this isn't fitting in conventional pockets. You need the key pocket for this. Um, And she... So it's Mrs. Ullman, and Mrs. Ullman is a... Uh, you know, she's a psychic, and she starts having a bit of a freakout because she senses that there is a depraved serial killer uh, somewhere in this live studio audience. Um, And she is kind of, you know, like, oh, God, like, somebody has, like, terrible perverted urges, and they, you know, enjoy hurting people. Um, which maybe don't telegraph that you know the serial killer is there. Multiple times in this movie, it's mentioned like, don't tell the ki- killer I know who the killer is. Like, <laughs> you just painted a giant target on me. Yeah, just maybe keep that, you know, under your hat for a while. It's Italy, you've all got hats, and none of you have jobs. Oh, but I forgot to mention, uh, this is actually counts as a holiday movie because it opens... Uh, before we open in the movie theater is the flashback at Christmas time. Yes, yes, and uh, you—it's—it's it's left a little bit uh, fuzzy, but there's a children's song uh, that—is I, I, it a Christmas song technically? Uh, it's just a child singing "La La La," so I don't think you can really call it anything but a chi- <laughs> just a child song. I yeah. will say that uh, Deep Red has. Two of the most memorable songs in um, all uh, Jalo films. It has uh, this child song, and then, of course, Goblin's um, theme, Profondo yes. Rosso. Man, I honestly, I, I think this was my in for Jalo because for a long time I was like, I don't fucking get the point of Jalo. It's like a more boring, you know, early 80s slasher. And I think it's the music that gets me into it. Like, this wild, like, prog rock from Goblin. Yeah. Um, it's just fantastic. They're also credited in the opening credits as The Goblins, which is the <laughs> very big mom energy. Like, I got you <laughs> yes. that record you like from those boys, The Goblins. <laughs> the Nickelbacks. You know the guys. They're, they're your guys. You like The Goblins. Um, now we also see the killer applying, um, this, you know, makeup to, to their eyes. There's a character in this movie, uh, named Gianna who, uh, has a perfect smoky eye. And I feel like I immediately knew that she wasn't the killer because this killer will not reach the wet line no. of their eyelid with this shit. I was yelling, like, would you please do the wet line? <laughs> like, would it fucking kill you? Just um, linebacker raccoon. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, and so the main character of this, um, which is incredible that he's not a detective, because usually with movies like this, you're going to get like sort of a local police detective or someone. Um, it is a jazz pianist named Marcus. Yeah, he's a English uh, expatriate 
who moved to Italy to play jazz piano. Yeah, <laughs> I love that trajectory, by the way. Listen, listen to me. If you're going to play jazz piano, you got to go to Rome. That's the only place doing it. <laughs> you got like what? Not like New Orleans or no. We're, OK, Italy. Um, and he has a friend named Carlo who uh, looks like an Italian Spike Spiegel from Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> he does. He's got very chaotic energy about him. And he is a total lush. Oh, yeah. Total lush. Uh, we later find out uh, chaos homosexual. Um, now, there's a thing that I've realized about Italian uh, movies and like specifically Italian horror movies. They are terrified of gay people in Europe in the yeah. in the 1970s. Yeah, it's pretty like, unfortunate. It's it's a lot. Uh, but he now he so Marcus the jazz pianist uh, witnesses um, Mrs. Ullman getting got from a window um, that's you know up way up high and she's getting murdered and he sees it and this is when you know this is his call to action where it's just like wait a minute I got to figure out what's going on with all these murders happening in Rome. Yeah, and um, he runs up from the street level up, like, 20 flights of stairs. And she has been impaled on the broken window uh, in her neck. And his go-to move is to snap the glass and pull her off. Which, I don't know. Like, are you supposed to move a like she's not alive at this point or if she yeah. is she's she's too far gone do you move the body to you know save her or just leave her dangling <laughs> i'm gonna tell you on one hand i'm like yeah you don't you know you want to leave them until you know the coroner can get there you know you want to you know preserve evidence i feel confident in saying that any police in a mid-70s giallo film is going to show up hungover uh, and just like flick a cigarette butt at the dead body and go, ah, that sucks, and then immediately <laughs> leave. Like they're not, they're going to be handling the body with their greasy fucking like lunch hands. I don't, they're I, you know, guzzling espresso in this tooth, <laughs> which oh, I yeah. love. Is they're like, would you like some? They offer um, him coffee, and mm-hmm. it's in a thermos, but they hand him like a little espresso Dixie cup to yeah to drink. Oh, I love it. It's it's incredible. Um, but so he, you know, the chase is on, and uh, you know, Marcus has to figure it out. Um, there is a bit of a battle of the sexes in this movie with uh, his counterpart, Gianna, who rules? Yes, she's very good. And also, Gianna is a reporter, so she's like, my buddy Marcus knows who the killer is. And he's like, geez, do not <laughs> post that in all of the Roman newspapers. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it's a lot. Uh, and, we, you know, we get this scene that immediately makes uh, Marcus, like, sort of just a shitbird to me, which is... You know, she's uh, they're they're talking about something, and then she mentioned something about like you know I'm a full and complete human being, and uh, Marcus just yells like Ah, I've had it with this women's lib shit. Like I'm t- tired of hearing about how you're people and have stuff that you want to do. Um, and she's like, You are so so tiny, and he's like, I'm mad about it. And then you know she's like, All right, numb nuts. Uh, if if men are much stronger than you know, he's kind of doing the Evo psych thing a little bit with her. Yeah. Where it's like, well, men are men are stronger than women, so you know. Uh, she punks his ass out and beats him twice at arm wrestling, and he is big mad about it. I also love that the killer, before impaling Ulma on the window, uh, the broken window pane, mm-hmm. about cleaves her in half with a, a butcher's knife. 
Mm-hmm. And then the um, reveal of the film totally upends Marcus's like men are stronger than women. Yeah, yeah, which is incredible because I, I didn't even realize because I've seen this movie a couple of times. I didn't realize that the like, oh, women are passive and men are stronger than they are. Like, you're totally right. Like, this is, you know, a thing that I love about Dario Argento movies. I do not know Dario Argento's politics any more than I know, like, Paul Verhoeven's politics as a person. Yeah, and, and Paul Verhoeven is just... Everything I know about Paul Verhoeven is uh, capitalism is bad, and I saw mm-hmm. some shit when I was a child. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much it, actually, yeah. And then, you know, Argento is just... He... A thing that I appreciate about... Uh, and I'm, I'm only saying this because I'm in the middle of a reread of... Um, Farewell, My Lovely by uh, Raymond Chandler. Um, a thing about Raymond Chandler that I love is that, you know, somebody asked him, like, about one of his stories, like, so wait, who who killed that kid in, you know, the story? And he was just like, how the hell should I know? Like, he is interested in writing fun scenes and doing cool turns of phrase, and that is fucking it. He does not care about, you know, making the, the, the book into a, a piece of clockwork machinery that makes sense. And Dario Argento movies, no plot, just vibes. Yes, yes. Um, definitely more so in some of the later movies, especially the mm. ones featuring chimpanzees. But this one <laughs> yeah. uh, is pretty vibey nonetheless. Very vibey. Um, now, there's a, a death in this movie, which I think is one of the most mean-spirited deaths I've seen, which is, um, I forget this character's name, but she um, is kind of, you know, get, getting close to figuring out who, you know, the killer might be. She gets um, She gets stabbed. Which, by the way, she she walks into her house and sees a baby doll hanging by a noose from her ceiling. You know what? You walk into your house, you see that shit, you find a red roof in for the night. Yeah, leave the house, which I know is like the, the cliche thing to, to yell at the movie screen, but mm-hmm. for serious. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, that's like hearing a strange noise is different from like seeing a noosed baby doll hanging from the ceiling. That's like, nope, sorry. Uh, but she gets, you know, stabbed a bunch of times, and then the killer runs scalding hot water into a bathtub, and um, I think she drowns via a combination of... Well, no, 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 she... Actually, it is scalding. It's not drowning. She gets scalded to death uh, when the killer just, like, face plants her down in the hot water. Yeah. Uh, and she is writing the name of the killer on the fogged-up tile... And it's only through deduction that we're able to figure out that it's actually um, who the killer is. And I also want to point mm-hmm. out, Marcus does not deduce that. It's the um, <laughs> professor from from the first scene of the movie. Oh, yeah. The professor who also has a harrowing death scene. But like this, this death scene with her slowly succumbing to her scalding wounds is fucking heartbreaking. And it takes a while for her to die. So long. Oh my god, it's harrowing. But you know, she I love this as a thing, which is that she uses the steam on the on the glass wall to like write the, the name of the thing, and then obviously the steam leaves and then it's like invisible ink and nobody can see it. Um the guy who figures out, like, wait a minute, what if steam because the way that she died, you know, her her finger was sort of pointing and touching the wall like, you know, uh, uh Michelangelo's uh, Adam and God. He kind of goes like, "Huh, that's funny." And he he runs the steam, he finds out who the killer is. He gets like curb stomped on like the corner of a cabinet where like he just gets his mouth put over the sharp edge of it and just gets his head slammed into it. Yeah, it's very gross. <laughs> it's it's so much. Like and also 
the there's a puppet uh, that distracts him before he gets got that I love. Yeah, I always. So I will tell you that I thought this was like um, phenomena, where mm-hmm. the killer was like a puppet, because I had never seen this movie, <laughs> and I was a little <laughs> disappointed when that creepy puppet was not actually a child's play style killer. Yeah, I honestly, and the way that the puppet moved, it apparently was like specially designed for the film because Argento wanted it. Uh, and, you know, it distracts the guy long enough that he gets got, um, and he, you know, just gets sort of his mouth put over sharp edges of, like, cabinets and, like, dressers and stuff, and just gets, uh, horribly murdered. Um, and I appreciate that Dario Argento is just like, I just want to show a bunch of fun deaths, and that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to do. Which, uh, uh, now we have to talk about the final death, when the murderer gets her comeuppance, and her necklace gets caught in the elevator in the lobby of the building, and it just rips her head off. Oh, yeah. So it's uh, revealed to be... So Carlo, uh, who... And I gotta point this out here. The scene where Marcus discovers that Carlo is um, gay is, you know, he, he, he finds him at somebody's house, and it's a transvestite who looks fucking great. And Marcus is such an uptight little weenie about this being a crossdresser. Yeah, yeah. Marcus can piss up a rope. Yeah, and like the you know the 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 the, the drag queen is just sort of like nonchalant. I'm like, oh yeah, Carlo's back here. You know, he's kind of bumming me out. He's you know being kind of crazy. And Carlo is you know super drunk and you know having a bad time. And you sort of find out that uh, at the very beginning of the movie, the um, the death that you see at Christmas. By the way, fuck that uh, Die Hard is a Christmas movie uh, thing that keeps popping up every year. Deep Deep Red Red is a Christmas Christmas movie. movie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so Carlo is revealed to uh, have witnessed the murder of his father at the hands of his mother, who... um, And it's pretty gross. uh, It's it's a pretty gross depiction of mental illness, but it's like she's, uh, I think, got schizophrenia, and the husband is like, come on, you gotta go to help for this, and she's like, allow me to respond to your intervention with a stabbing. Um, and Carlo witnesses it. And you realize that the killer throughout this movie uh, was not Carlo. It was his mom the entire time, who is just an elderly Italian lady. Yeah, just a regular old Italian lady. Just doing regular Italian lady things, I guess. Yeah, but when Marcus thinks that Carlo is the killer, it ends up with Carlo uh, getting his leg like lashed to the back of like a garbage truck or something. He gets dragged for so long, screaming and clawing, and then eventually he gets uh, his head toxic avengered by an oncoming car. Yeah, and Marcus is like, I did it. I solved the case. And then <laughs> goes, wait a minute. That doesn't make sense. Ne- hold on a minute. Um, Man, fu- fucking Whole body's nerfed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's his entire thing is Poe body's nerfed. Um, but, you know, he discovers that it's the old lady, and yeah, Quincy, please uh, describe this last death, which rules the school. Oh, it's just, she's uh, struggling to, they're, they're in this struggle, The she's wearing a metal chain necklace, it's, the clasp gets caught in the elevator, the elevator starts to rise, she stands on the floor, and it becomes like a sort of chainsaw and saws her neck off. Yeah, it is incredible, um, the the effects in this movie. I will also say, uh, and, you know, this isn't exactly groundbreaking, but, uh, you know, those uh, Dario Argento movies, the effects, pretty good. Yeah, yeah, pretty <laughs> decent effects. Yeah. 
Um, and then, you know, so she gets her head chopped off and we end on a big puddle of blood and then a little thing that says, you have been watching Deep Red, <laughs> which I love that like, oh, that's what that is. Thanks, Dario. Well, I do love the idea. I think it was in a Cat Ellinger essay that she reminds us that um, Italian cinema uh, at this time, especially, was just the place that the teens went to make out. So they filmmakers were desperate to get to keep their attention mm-hmm. so it makes total sense it's like hey hey quit kissing for like five seconds you were watching this movie <laughs> which i yeah i love it tell Jalo. your friends yeah well and i love that the idea that yeah again with Jalo, the fact that it's you know ye- named after the italian word for yellow because of um je- you know just like pulp you know crime stories that you know these movies came out of and it's like, yeah, we are trying to cram as much nudity and as much killing into this, you know, hour and a half long movie so that teenagers will want to go and make out at it. Um, Quincy, this movie fucking rules. It does. So where do you want to put it on our list? And number 227 is The Bird with the Crystal Plumage. I gotta give it to Bird with the Crystal Plumage because I feel like that movie's a little raw in a way I appreciate. Yeah, it's it's... Not as crystallized, uh, no pun intended there, um, as Deep Red, but it's definitely not as good as like Suspiria and Inferno, but you see that it's, it's on, it's onto something and it's got some real charm to it. It Uh, really does. Now, underneath the bird with the crystal plumage is Hell Comes to Frogtown. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Which is better, mm. Hell Comes to Frogtown or... Um... <laughs> Sorry, Argento's Deep Red? Yeah. Uh, I feel like between those two, I'm giving the edge to uh, Dario Argento's Deep Red. Just because, like, um, I just watched, you know, a documentary called All the Colors of, jo- of Giallo. And it's a documentary that's entirely in Italian and it's about Giallo movies. And, you know, this was the thing that prompted me to go back and rewatch Deep Red. Because, you know, I went through a period where I just, like, watched a fuckload of Giallo movies... And they all kind of ran together at a certain point. This movie, you know, kind of does everything I want a Jalo movie to do. And it's just such a perfect fucking example of the form. Um, in the way that, like, if somebody was like, I want to get in, uh, into Jalo movies, where should I start? This is what I, I think I would tell them. Now, um, is this perfect example of the form better than a perfect example of its sort of offshoot, um, Happy Death Day? Ooh, so Happy Death Day, which is at number 229. Uh, I feel like uh, Happy Death Day being in conversation with, like, Groundhog Day and also just, like, I don't know. Like, it's so much fun and it does exactly what it wants to do. Um, comparing Deep Red to Happy Death Day, I'm a little bit stumped. What do you think? Um, I would I would give the edge to Deep Red. And I would actually say it's better than Cemetery Man as well, which is number 228, uh, oh, which yeah. is another Italian um, horror movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with uh, Rupert Everett in the in the lead yeah. role. It's I adore Cemetery Man, but I feel like Friday Night Test, Deep Red, or Cemetery Man. I'm I'm going with Deep Red. Yeah. So that makes uh, Deep Red our new number two twenty eight. Yeah, hell yeah! And uh, guys, if you want to watch Deep Red, it is on Shutter, which has a, a pretty good Jalo collection. Um. So yeah, so go go check that out if you have not already seen it. It's worth it for the puppet scene alone. I would say. Oh, for sure. 
It's extremely good. Uh, Quincy, where can our listeners find us on the internet? Listeners can find us at faustiannonsense.com slash rankandvile. Yeah, uh, we are uh, just about everywhere you might want to listen to podcasts. Uh, we're um, on uh, Apple uh, Podcasts. We're on Stitcher. Uh, guys, if you enjoy uh, listening to us uh, talk about um, Jolo movies and also apparently deadly games, uh, you know, consider leaving us uh, a review you think is fair, preferably five star. Um, it, you know, really helps us kind of, you know, get the word out about the show. If you have uh, a movie that, uh, you know, you think that we, we might not be aware of or that you are dying for us to talk about, we do take requests. Um, you're going to want to send that to rankandvilecast at gmail.com or uh, drop it in our ask box on Tumblr at tumblr.com slash rank, or excuse me, rankandvile.tumblr.com. I'm 80 years old. Uh, but yeah, the, uh, barring that, that is about all I've got. You got anything else? Stay spooky. Later, folks.